Good morning. Uh, that was such a great time of worship, and uh, the words that just came, um, uh, you know, uh, Vicky and uh, Mary were uh, just brought, uh, they, were, they were just amazing, and I was just there thinking, I'm going to actually touch on some of those things that were said, and I just, it's just amazing how the Holy Spirit really, you know, bring those things um, when, when those words when they need it, uh, and I think I'm going to just refer to those words in a bit as well. So this, uh, I don't know if you have had the chance to listen to the new song of the Beatles called Now and Then. Have you, have, have you heard that one? The tune is kind of catchy, uh, but the words, I was just trying to understand them, and it didn't make any sense to me. So if you understand what the song is all about, please come and, and tell me. Anyway, so I thought, oh, that's a, that's a nice song. But I've been reading some of the songs in the last month, and we started a series in a book that is all about songs and prayers. And those are really cool. And actually, you can understand what those songs are all about. But in the spirit of me not understanding the Now and Then song from the Beatles, I'm going to call this Preach Now and Then. So this is God of Refuge. Now and then, all right? So we're going to go to the Psalms 71. If you open your Bibles, uh, that's page 585. We're going to read together. I'm going to read all of it. It's a long psalm, but I'm going to try to, uh, to read it um, more or less um, as fast as we can. We're going to read it all, but I'm going to be focusing on the first 13 verses of the psalm this morning um, as well. I got new glasses, so bear with me. My colleagues have been uh, mocking me because, uh, you know, I'm doing this all, all the time because I don't, I don't know where to look. So here we are. Psalm, Psalm 71. Let's all read it. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, things that we've already been mentioning. <clears throat> Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From my birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I'm old. Do not forget, forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God. Help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I shall always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Through I know, though I know, know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous, righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, again, you have taught me. And to these days I declare your marvelous deeds, even when I'm old and gray, 
Do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generations, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to heavens. You <clears throat> who have done great things, who is like you, God? No one. Though you have made, see, made me see troubles, many and bitter, and you will restore my life again. From the depth of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me, and comfort me once more. I will praise you with harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I, whom you have delivered, my tongue will tell of your righteousness acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. Right. So, as I said to you, we, we're going to go through um, the first 13 verses. So, keep your Bibles uh, there with you. We're going to be uh, going back to some, some of the verses this, this morning. Uh, Matt was actually um, saying something last, last Sunday about um, how important the titles of the Psalms and who wrote the Psalms is. Sometimes, interestingly enough, we don't have a title uh, in this Psalm, and we don't really know who wrote it for you know, 100%. Some people believe that it was David uh, because it has all, you know, David's expressions in there. And it's a logical continuation of Psalm 70 that we know uh, it was David. Uh, but we don't know for sure. So for this exercise this morning, I'm just going to call it the writer or, or the psalmist. Um, so um, we're going to start reading all of that. So we don't know who the writer is. Uh, but we do, we, know, we, knew, we do know some details about him. When we were reading, he's likely to be an older man, and actually he's an old man with a few hair, gray hairs on his head. Uh, he's well acquainted with hardship. Okay? He's been in trouble. He's seen many troubles through his life. And even as he writes this psalm, he's writing these psalms, and he's in the middle of another one, another big situation, another uh, big problem. And he's facing accusers and cruel opponents. They all after him. They want to hurt him. They want to shame him. And he's in, you know, it's a horrible opposition. But what does this psalmist do? He looks back. He looks back. Okay? And <clears throat> to God's past faithfulness through his life. Through each of one of those troubles that he has gone through. And remembers that. Time and time again, God has proven to be a rock and a fortress and a refuge. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. As he looks back then on God's faithfulness, he finds the strength and finds the confidence to persevere during the now problems, the current situation. And this confidence, you know, he's, he's not finding this conf confidence in, 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 in his own in aging body, in his aging body. He's actually finding this confidence and strength in his faithful God. God. So at the end uh, of uh, uh, today, hopefully we will all be going to be putting our confidence and our strength in our faithful God. He knows that he was, if God was faithful then, surely, surely, God will be faithful now and then in the future. So as we read this psalm, we'll see that God is our refuge at any stage in life. In fact, when I was uh, reading my Spanish uh, uh, Bible, 
And I remember that a few months ago, I asked you to, uh, you know, um, I challenged you to read your, 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 Sp your Bible in Spanish. Did you do it? <laughs> you haven't. Vicky? Oh. Anyway, so in the, in the Spanish Bible, interestingly enough, this psalm has a title, and the title translated is something like the prayer of the old man. We could translate it like that. We could translate it like that. So, um, but we will see. We will see how God is a refuge at any stage in life, not, not in the old age, but any stage. He, was, he is to be a refuge, you know, he was a refuge in the womb. He was a refuge at birth. He's a refuge on the youth uh, in the middle. And at the end, in the old age, is uh, um, the what I wanted to say is even if the title is the prayer of an old man, I believe that this psalm actually applies for all of us here this morning. So whatever you came this morning, you know, feeling that you are, um, you know, in the top of the world, or you feeling uh, that you are walking through a really a valley, you know, really difficult situations, or you have you are in peace, you in comfort, or you're actually here wondering when this horrible situation you're in is actually going to finish, or you're here and you are young and you're youth, or you're here and you actually are in your old age, wherever you are this morning, um, I think uh, it's really, we need to know that uh, God is our lifelong refuge, and we need to learn that we need to take refuge in Him. So um, I would like to draw out three truths from this psalm this morning um, and see, see if, it's, if it's possible. Uh, and I would like to, once I draw out those three truths, I would like to mention as well how we need to respond to those, to those truths uh, in this psalm. Right, so the first one. God is our ever-present Refuge. God is our ever-present refuge. Come to Him. Row to Him. Run to Him. The Lord is our ever-present refuge. Of course, a refuge is a, a place of shelter. It's a place of safety, security during a storm. And several times, several times through the psalm, the Lord is refers us to a refuge. And as we've seen, and we will continue to see in this series, the refuge series, the psalms series, uh, he is a refuge. But in here, if we go back to your Bibles in verse um, uh, 1, we will see that uh, the psalmist here, the writer of this psalm, is actually saying really, uh, something really interesting. And it reads, it reads like that. Um, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. So in all of the Psalms, when we, they're referring to God as a refuge, they're obviously using the noun ver version of, of it. But here, he's using kind of like the verb version of it. He's saying, I have taken refuge in you. In you. So I, I just want to show you a picture. That's an old friend of mine. Uh, but uh, he, <clears throat> God is a refuge, okay? And this is something simple. But I think, I think it's something really, really deep that we need to learn from here. That in order for God to be a refuge, we must take refuge in Him. 
We must take. It says, Lord, I have taken refuge. In, in, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. And we've been singing about God being our refuge. He's our refuge. But we must come to him and take shelter in him. Because it's not like through a difficult trial situation like that man is, is over there. You can just sit there, sit back, and expect the Lord to bring you through it. Okay, expecting the Lord to be your and my refuge, it actually involves a little bit of effort in our part, in your part, and a little bit of willingness to do it. Simply put, a refuge is not a refuge unless we take refuge in it. I have told you this story before that I escaped, uh, you know, a hurricane in, in Honduras, and we, we were run out, and uh, we were swimming for a while, and uh, there was uh, this beautiful church at the top of the hill, and I never thought about that church as a refuge at all until that night that we run to it, and we enter to it, and we felt the peace and security inside, uh, I felt as I felt as a refuge. So it's not enough to have the knowledge of the existence of a, of a shelter. If we don't do anything with that knowledge, it is not going to be good for us. Okay, if we don't go there and we enter that shelter, it's not going to be a refuge for us. For, our, for, that, for that thing to be a refuge, we must actively take refuge in it. And it's the same thing with God. The psalmist here is in a desperate situation, but what is he doing? He says, I, am take, I have taken refuge in you. He is coming to Jesus. And I think it was Beth just, just saying that this morning about what, the word that you just were just praying over. Is, is we need to come to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus, and then he's going to be our refuge. We need to come to Jesus. Verse number two, let's read it. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me, okay? There is um, four words here that I want you to, uh, to pay attention to. Deliver, rescue, incline your ear, and save. He's in a desperate situation, and this is a cry of desperation. Just speaks to the, of the nature of the, the psalmist just finding himself at the moment. And these are the four requests. Deliver, request, uh, rescue, incline your ear, and save. He knows that God is his only hope of deliverance. And that only God can rescue him. So if we skip to, four, to, to verse 4, again he says, Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked. So we see that the wicked and the unjust and cruel men are against him. And he finds himself in his hands and their grasp. But we're going to learn a little bit more about the nature of that opposition later on. But now I want you to focus in that he repeatedly is asking for rescue. Verse number two, deliver me, rescue me, um, save me. Number four, rescue me, oh my God. It's important to notice that we know that God is sovereign. We know all of that over trials of our life. We, we, in another part of the Bible, it says, you know, that God uh, has something for us in the storm. We know that, that he's going to use our trials and our sufferings for our own, own good, even if we don't understand it. We know, we know that. But you know what else do we learn from these psalms, from these verses? Is that it's normal as well, and it's good, and it's right to ask for deliverances from those very trials that we 
you know, know that something good is going to come out of it. But that even when the Lord can use the trials for our own good, we're not supposed to desire troubles. Who's going to say, okay, God, send me another round? No one is going to do that. We're not supposed to desire suffering. And the psalmist here prays for rescue. He prays for the trial, this trial to end. Rescue me, Lord. Please, rescue me. So, brothers and sisters, whatever you trial, uh, you find yourself this, this morning, whatever the hardship you may be enduring right now, know that it's okay to pray for deliverance. And it's okay to regularly and frequently and persistently pray for deliverance. We had a beautiful meeting last Friday with a bunch of guys here from church, and, and it was just amazing how, you know, sometimes we believe that if we don't bring our fears, and our, or no, actually, if we do too often bring our fears and, and anxieties to God, we're somehow failing, and we're not, somehow we're not good Christians. That was one of the words that one of the guys was sharing with us, and it's just really interesting. So I'm saying that because it is good, and it's okay to pray for deliverance. Rescue me, Lord. Rescue me. Verse number three, and with this one, I'm going to finish the first part. Okay, uh, can we see the, the next one? There's an interesting fact here. I'm going to give you an interesting fact. Uh, the first three verses of Psalm 71 are exactly the same, nearly exactly the same as the first three verses in Psalm uh, 31. So, but the psalmist uh, in this bit, in Psalm 71, actually adds a, a unique phrase that is not actually found in verse 31, and I would like you to see that. It says, it says I may always come to you. Can, we say, can you see that? I, I just put it in red. Um, and if we, if we read number three, it says, be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. That's not in Psalm 31. Give the command to save me. That little phrase, that I may always come to you, continually comes to you. He's noticing, he's saying what we just heard, that the God is a rock of refuge. He's acknowledging that. He's acknowledging that God is his fortress. He's stressing that. But even when he's stressing that, that rock and fortress, I, I, I like that he's actually stressing that bit as well. He says, I can always come. I can continually come to you, God. In other, in other words, and that's the first part of this, God is our ever-present refuge. Just think about it. Just, just think about it. Always, continually come to God. He's always there. He's always available. He's always ready. He's, he never forgets us. And when we come to Him to find refuge, you know, in prayer... Reading his word 24-7 in worship, when we do that, he immediately invites us in, as Beth was saying, even with all your bags of laundry, and immediately receives us. He is an ever-present refuge. So now think for a moment, who else can you say this of in your life? Who else is always available? Who else is an ever-present refuge? Your boss at work? Your pastor? Your family? Who else? Um, I don't know if, 
if for the ones that are here that you don't, you don't know, can we skip to the next, um, uh, and, and the next one as well? Yeah, let's put it that one. For the ones that are here that don't know me well, I got two kids, right? One is, one that my oldest is called Liam, and my youngest is called Lisa. And when they were little, they were always around, and they were always saying, ah, papi, 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 right? Uh, that's, that's daddy in French. Uh, sorry, in Spanish. <laughs> papi is actually grandpa in French. Papi is daddy in Spanish. So papi, 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 let's do this. Papi, let's do that. Papi, let's do this. All right, and all constantly. And this morning, actually, I saw Andy's, Andy's uh, kids as well saying, papi, papi, all over. And Andy was, was busy. And, and, you know, I, I loved it. I love Liam. I love Elisa. And I always wanted to say, yes, come here. Come here, my love. What do you need? Yes, come here, my love. What do you need? Papi, papi, papi. Yes, my love. What do you need? But sometimes, you know, I was in the middle of a call, or I was working, or I was doing, you know, one of the chores that Becky always gives me every week. <laughs> point, point is, sometimes I needed to say, not now, Liam. Not now. Not now. Because, you know, I'm limited. I'm not, I don't have the time and the capacity to actually say yes to them all the time. I cannot be everywhere all the time. I'm limited as a human. But you know what? And listen to this. If you remember something at the end, this is what you need to remember. God is not limited. And He's ever-present. And He's all-powerful. And He will always be available, always ready to care for you, to say yes to you. He will care for you immediately, will not delay. As you come to God, you will find immediate refuge. And uh, just, just to finish with this, there are different terms for refuge in this, in this psalm. Um, and one of the translations um, um, for refuge is habitation. Um, and the psalmist is saying that God is not only his refuge, but is all, as well his home. His home. You remember when we were doing the series of John and we were talking about making a home in Jesus. Well, this is it. You come to God as your refuge, but he also is your home. So no matter what's going on, we can always continually come back to the Lord and find shelter and refuge. The door is always open as the houses and Lichet Matravas. Apparently the, houses, the, the doors are always open, right? Over there. That's what Ashton says anyway. God is our ever-present refuge. Number two, the Lord is a lifelong sustainer. Cling to him. Let's cling, cling to him. So in the next verses, the psalmist looks back to his youth, back to his birth, back to where the time that he was in this, his mother's womb, to see and recognize how reliable God has been to care for him and sustain him through his entire life, even since conception. The certainty of his hope in his current trial is based on a lifetime experience of God's faithfulness to him. God's God past faithfulness serves as the, the solid ground for the psalmist's hope during his trouble. Okay, simply put, if God was sustaining him then throughout all of these different periods of his life, God will be safe, faithful to sustain him now and then. Let's read uh, verse number five. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord. 
my confidence since my youth. What a wonderful thing that is. When I was uh, thinking and uh, reading about this and putting all of this together, I thought, that's just a fantastic testimony, isn't it? Uh, The fact that he knew the Lord. Perhaps, you know, he cannot even remember the time that he didn't know God. And, uh, and that's why we all pray for our own children and youth. I just, I just love to see the youth sitting here Sunday after Sunday, you know, looking for ways to learn and, and grow closer to God. I love to see the children learning over that Sunday after Sunday. We need to pray for our children and for our youth to grow old and look back and not even remember a time when they didn't walk with Jesus or trust Jesus. That's what we need to be praying for. And I just want to mention Bren. And Bren is a feel, Bren Tonsum. Uh, I just want to say thank you for her, to her because she's, she's always praying for our kids, always. And that's what we need to do. Great testimony. Anyway, from the youth, verse number six. From my birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. So just a parenthesis, youth. This is for you, youth. Keep doing what you're doing. Here, reading the Bible, getting to know Jesus. That's the best thing you can do. So verse 6 is not only, uh, let's, let's read it quickly. From my birth, I have relied on you. You brought, me from my, you brought me forth from my mother's womb. Okay? Uh, so we see the dependence upon the Lord has started even before the writer's own birth. And that's the same for us. Even from the womb, the psalmist have been dependent, of the care, of, of, of dependent upon the care of God. We were dependent of, upon the Lord before even we took our first breath. Think about that. Did you know, and I asked Becky for, to be accurate, but did you know that a baby's heart can start beating, I don't know, beating or beating, no, beating, as early as five weeks in the utero? And yet, every single one of those little harbits is dependent upon the Lord, who holds the universe in his hands. The Bible says, in, in him, in whom all things hold together, he's the one that sustained our life, my life, your life, that you're sitting here in the, in the womb. And he's the one sovereign over our birth, and he's the one that will continue to sustain us through the youth, and he's the one uh, middle age and uh, uh, the, into the old age. He's going to sustain us. He's faithful. So the psalmist here is considering how faithful God has been in all of these times, even in the womb. And what's the result? What's the result? Well, he cannot stop but to start praising God. And it's, this must be our response as well as we look back. And, and, and this is another thing that we were talking about with the guys on Friday. We look back, and even in the middle of a current trouble, they were all saying, but I look back, and I see the faithfulness of God. Man, all the things that he has actually brought me through, and I'm, still, and I'm here now enjoying a beer and a nice fire. God is faithful. Is faithful. Okay, and that is, needs to be our response. Consider how he has, has sustained us even from the time we were in our mother's womb. Verse 7. 
I have become a sign to many. You're my strong refuge. I'm going to go quickly through this one. Is there is an interesting word uh, in another in another um, verses versions of the Bible? They use the word portent, but this is a, it translates as sign. And and some of the commentaries I read it says that it links to the Deuteronomy six and, and, and twenty eight when when you know uh, God was was uh, doing great and, and, and terrible signs to, for the Egyptians, or, or when he was, uh, you know, saying that uh, the, all the evildoers and the, the ones who break the law were going to become a portent, a sign of what it is to, you know, be uh, a judged by, by God. So, so the writer here is saying, suddenly I have become a portent, and that's the version I'm going to go through uh, for, is, is, is kind of like an ominous warning or something terrible. I, I, I just... Uh, think about this as, uh, you know, important is someone that you don't want to be like. Like when I said to Liam, don't, don't be like Donald Trump or things like, or things like that. So don't be important. The ominous warden, and we skip, skip down to, to verse 10 and 11. We see, for my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him, pursue him and seize him. Sorry, pursue him and seize him. But the, the key here is God has forsaken him. So, so these guys, he's, he's saying, I have become a sign because they think, you, God, you have forsaken me. Uh, so that's what the lies that these guys were, were saying. But then, in, in verse, where are we reading? Verse 8, after he says, I become a sign, he says, but you are my strong refuge. He asked, uh, sorry, adds, the objective strong. God is not just any refuge now. God is a strong refuge, strong enough to defeat the attacks of those guys, the enemies, strong enough to extinguish all the lies that the evil one is sending. God is a strong refuge. So you remember that. Okay, lies, that's what the devil, how the devil works. And he's going to send lies to you, but God is your strong refuge and you can stop that. In verse 8, fairly quickly. He thinks about all of this and leads him to worship again. His mouth, he says, is filled with God's praise and God's glory. All day long, he says, all day long. Notice this. That, notice this. This is really, really interesting. That for the psalmist here, the singing, the worshiping doesn't stop when the times get tough. Okay, so let's, let's remember that. Just because the times are tough, we're not going to stop singing and worshiping. And of course, this helps us to fix our eyes in our Savior. When the waves are, you know, crashing into us, we are in the middle of the storm, we need to continue worship because it's so important in all of, all of these ways. It's a means of warfare against the enemy. It helps us to set our minds on things that are above. Help us to renew that eternal perspective in us that is so needed when we are in the middle of temporal chaos and storms. So all day long. Now let's... It's, so he's turning to God in worship. So, and through the worship, he's taking refuge in him. Let's do the same. Nine. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. The writer, the psalmist, is not young anymore. He's not in that season of life. He's not a young man. He's a, an old age. He's not as strong as he one, once was. His strength is, you know, not the same. 
And now he needs God more than ever. And uh, sorry to break this to you, youth, but apparently the problems don't, don't stop when you reach an old age. The trials continue into our old age. Sometimes when we're young, we, we, oh, I remember when I was young, and I'm sure you do the same, but when we're young, we, we, we sometimes think, ah, life is just going to get so much easier when I'm older, right? I'm going to retire, so I'm going to be in, in a beach sitting all day. There will, no, there will be no more nine to five, no more mortgage payments. Life, but no, sadly, the bad news is troubles continue, even if in our old age, okay, as, as we all know here. But this is where we see the psalm, and I'm sure the, all the brothers and sisters here in, the, in this room can attest to that. Problems continue. But just as the psalm is needed God in the womb, as he needed it when he was young, he needed it when he was in the middle age, now he needs God in his old age, when, he's, when his strength is not as he used to be. Um, I, I got a photo there. Um, that, that is... Uh, that is my son Liam, by the way, for the, the ones I was talking. Um, it doesn't look like it, but that's a humongous mountain. Humongous. <laughs> we did the coastal path with Liam a, few, a couple of months ago. And, uh, you know, uh, Liam was just jumping and going up like if he was a goat. <laughs> and, uh, and I was just there like, uh, Thinking, so what are, they, what are they thinking? You know what I'm thinking? They're thinking I'm going to call the air ambulance. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not going to finish. And what is Liam thinking? Thinking is Liam, how am I going to carry this old man all the way up? <laughs> so perhaps some of you can relate. It appears that at a certain age, you know, we got, just get weaker. And then, you know, that after that certain age, everything just goes downhill. <laughs> I'm in my mid-40s right now, and I think I'm still rel relatively young and very handsome man. <laughs> Hopefully those are laugh, laugh of affirmation. <laughs> but, you know, I think that certain age when everything started going downhill for me was 35. 35. <laughs> and I can see the, the, I can see the aging effects on, in different ways, okay? And some of you probably thinking, you have no idea what's, <laughs> what's, what's coming, right? I noticed some changes. I'm slow in my sports. I'm clearly slower walking in the mountains than I used to be. Sometimes I wake up with pain in my back. And I never had when I was 20. I never had that when I was 20. So don't know where that came from. You know, and uh, we just hit that peak age and things. We're just getting week, week after, year after year, and that's just how it is. But even, listen to this, even as our strength fails us more and more, day after day, the older we get, the reality is that God never will. God never will. Jesus will never fail us. We can get weaker, but Jesus in God is going to be with us always. He never fails. Then he says, 
He will not cast out, you know, God, don't cast me out, it says the psalmist. But he will not cast out his people, even when the strength runs out. Even when we come to an age where we feel that, uh, you know, uh, we are less and less capable of doing things, of serving God the way we once did, he will not forsake us. Because the Lord is a lifelong sustainer. In fact, if you are that age, you know, all, your old age now, do not think that you cannot do things for God. You know, you got, you got actually, uh, brothers and sisters, all, all the brothers and sisters, you got the responsibility of passing all your wisdom and all the experience that life has given you and all you know about God to the youth and to the young people so you can still be doing things for God. So, all of us are weak. Uh, no matter if you're a child here today, youth, young adult, a handsome middle-aged man, it doesn't matter if you are all age. The, the, what is true is that we are all weak. We are all weak if we are apart from the Lord. That's the truth. We are all weak if we are apart from the Lord. We are wholly dependent upon the Lord to sustain us just as he did when we were in the womb. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. The Lord is a lifelong sustainer and cling to him. Let's... Um, Finish with the last one. Uh, the Lord is our covenant keeper. Cry out to him. We already briefly discussed verse 10 and 11. We learn more about the nature of the problem that the psalmist was having with the opponents. They were opportunistic liars. Uh, but let's read verse 12 and 13 because, yeah, they, they're really cool. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly. God, help me to help me. And, and, and this is, a, obviously, he's crying out. He knows um, that he can rely on God. But this is the way that he, he wants God to respond as well. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. What a, what a prayer, right? What, a, what, a, what an interesting prayer for that. And some people actually say, oh, you know, that, I don't know if we should be doing that. Uh, because God actually, you know, Jesus tells us that we should be actually praying for enemies and, and love them. So how come this guy is actually, you know, praying in, in this way? Um, these, these type of prayers, and there's, there is uh, all, all sorts of these type of prayers in the Psalms, okay? If you want to know the interesting term that they, they, these prayers are called, they call imprecatory prayers, and I've been practicing that word all week because I couldn't say it properly. Imprecatory prayers. Okay, and they're all over the Psalms, all over the Psalms. But these, these prayers, um, they're they not, they not wrong. Um, the, they, they actually, what they are is, um, uh, just let me go back to, to, to the top here. So um, he's praying for his, his enemies to be consumed in, in, in this grave. But the portion in every... Uh, this portion is in every way the opposite that he expects God to do to himself. Okay, there's no selfishness. It's proper understanding of what is evil in the eyes of God. So it's, not, it's worth noting that in all cases, the psalmist here never takes personal vengeance. And this is what we need to remember. So what he's doing here is he's, he doesn't take the situation on his own hands to seek physically destroy his enemies. Rather than what he's doing is leaving the justice and the vengeance to God. That's just what the psalmist is doing here. He's just saying to God, God, would you be faithful to your word? You remember what you said 
back then and, and, and uh, over there that everyone was breaking your law and, and doing all sorts of bad things, you were going to judge them. So they are the one that are actually, you know, behaving in the wrong way. Not me. They're saying lines about me. Can you please just, you know, be faithful to your words? That's, that's all what he's doing. So prayers like these ones, they're not prayers of personal revenge, but rather they prayers for God to uphold his justice in his word. They prayers that recognize that God keeps his covenant, that he keeps his word, and he will faithful to judge. If you zoom out... And just look at what's going on in the world, and I'm sure we all do. The blatant rebellion, the, the, you know, the hate for God, all sorts of injustice going around. Remember that the word of God, that God's justice will never, ever fail. That was in the Old Testament. They needed to pray in that way because they didn't know everything that we know now with, with, you know, with Jesus and there will be a judgment day. They didn't know all of that, so they wanted God to act in that, in that right there. So that was the way they were doing it. But that same God that keeps his promises, kept his promises in the Old Testament is the same God that we have now as well. And, and he's still keeping his word and he's keeping his promises. And in Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians 1.20, we read that uh, in Jesus, all promises are yes and amen. And I like it the way I, I, I borrow this, this paragraph from Piper. John Piper says, all the promises of God for the good of his people focus on Christ. He confirms them and secures them. And is, is where is as it were, purchases them for all who belong to him. Every sinner who comes to God in Christ with all his needs find God coming to him in Christ, in Jesus, with all his promises. When a sinful person meets his, the holy God in Christ, what he hears is, yes. Do you love me? Yes. Will you forgive me? Yes. Will you accept me? Yes. Will you help me change? Yes. Will you give me power to serve you? Yes. Will you keep me? Yes. Will you protect me? Yes. Will you show me your glory? Ways. Yes. How wonderful is that? He is faithful to every one of his promises. And as, as the writer did in the Old Testament, we can do now. He's a covenant-keeping God. And let me land with this. I'm going to finish with it. God is a lifelong refuge in the good and the bad times. No matter how young, no matter how old, or are, we all are. Maybe some of you have come this morning looking ex exactly for that, looking for refuge. You don't know Jesus. You have been you know, uh, disappointed and you're disillusioned by all that's going on in the world. You're beating up. For many things taking place in your life, everywhere else you look for refuge has failed you. The government fails us every day. The ways of the world have failed you. The false religions have failed you. Your own sin has failed you. You always feel like you left wanting something. Let me tell you something this morning. If you don't know Jesus, your search for shelter, for security, for truth can be over today, right now, just, just like that, because God is the strong refuge that you've been looking for. Jesus is. There's no, there's no other. He's the only one that is worthy for your full trust. He's the only one that is worthy of all your hope. He's the only who's worthy of all your worship. He's the only one that can cleanse you from your sin and get rid of your guilt and grant you forgiveness. 
Would you come to Jesus this morning? And for the rest of us that already know Jesus, may we learn to continually, continually, always take refuge in God. Okay? Not just certain times during the day or the week. Always, 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 as the psalmist did. The solid ground, the foundation of their hope of this psalmist needs to be the solid ground foundation for our hope in this world is the past faithfulness of God. He experienced, we have experienced it through our life. So even from, time to, from the time that we were in our mother's wombs, remember this, because sometimes we don't stop to think about this. Even when we went there in our mom's womb, he was being faithful to us in ways that we don't understand. Even before we were born, he was faithful to us. Then we can believe in faith that he's going to be faithful to us now and then. Let's come to the Lord. Let's cling to him. Let's cry out to him. Let's take refuge in him. Whatever you're young, whatever you're old, or anything in between, praise continually to, to him. Praise him continually, knowing that in one way or another, deliverance is coming. Shall we pray? Lord, you are, you are so good. And you are so faithful, and uh, uh, Lord, it's just amazing, amazing to, to stop and think how even when we didn't know you, you knew us. You knew us. Even before we were born, you were already sustaining us and giving us what we needed. Lord, you've been faithful through our, all our lives and in, in, in every single storm that we have been going through, even when we... Uh, you know, couldn't understand it, or even now when we look back and we don't understand it, Lord, you have been there, and that, that's why we are here. And because you have been faithful in the past, we trust that you're going to be faithful now and, and anything that life is going to throw at us in the future. Lord, you are our refuge. You are our rock. You are our fortress. Let us, as Mary was saying, let us deep down in our hearts believe that and live that. Amen.